0: Yo, it's Sam Anita, full-time British basketball advocate. We are back, but you didn't expect to be hearing from me so soon. Um, I actually recorded this interview uh, a few days ago with the main man, Drew Sullivan. Uh, now, he's someone that I have never done a full feature with in the time that I've run Hoops Fix. So it is long overdue being the legend that he is uh, GB captain since the program's inception. So obviously he's got a lot of stories about that. Uh, And also just a a very, very impressive and solid career, especially back in his junior days. So we went on a lot longer, as always, than I planned. Um, The podcast is going to go on for just short of two hours. But uh, I'd rather do it that long and do it properly uh, than finish it and and feel like there's information missing. So yeah, have a listen. The feedback on the last episode with John Amici has been really, really positive positive. Um, It is our most downloaded episode so far uh, and people seem to be really um, liking these podcasts. So the plan is to work towards getting them done weekly. Now that might be a little bit of a stretch at the moment. Uh, I'm currently working on a big master plan of how we are going to take Hoops Fix forward and really turn this into a business because at the moment it just can't continue as it is simply because there's only one of me... um, and I just can't keep doing everything. So I'm bringing on a little team, trying to get a little bit team, team, team of interns, um, people that want experience together um, to really help it drive forward. We're going to be ramping up everything content-wise, videos, podcasts, media, uh, news, uh, covering NBA, EuroLeague and British stuff. Uh, and it's really, really exciting times. So anyway, uh, back to this interview. I will leave you with me and the main man, Drew Sullivan. Have a listen. Please get back to me with your feedback. Please. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, It takes five seconds of your time, but means the world to me and will help spread this podcast even further. Um, Thank you for your continued support. As always, I am contactable at sam at hoopsfix.com. Drop me an email, let me know what you think, give me some feedback, make suggestions for future guests, um, and and hopefully I will be speaking to you soon. I'm honoured to be here with Drew Sullivan, uh, GB captain, uh, and british basketball legend drew thanks for joining us
1: uh, thank you for having me uh, the honor is
0: mine uh, this is probably the, the first real real interview that i've done with you and uh so i'm really looking forward to, uh, to uh, doing it it's long overdue um you know i've been i've been doing my research for for a few days now and trying to trying to get on top of everything and i've, I've obviously heard stories um over the years of you coming through when you were younger and so i think there's going to be a lot of really interesting stuff to get into um, and I just wanted to start with with kind of how it all started with you and you know I've read that 90, 93 and you were originally doing athletics and you had an injury um, yeah. so can you talk a little yeah. about what happened then and, and how you ended up first picking up the basketball
1: uh, well I mean, when I was younger I really enjoyed uh, running um, I did 100 metres and 200 metres and uh, I did that um, at the school that I went to in uh, John, John Loughborough in Tottenham and uh, you know, we had we had it was like summer's day, so you know it was a typical summer's day. So it was rain it was raining, uh, <laughs> and uh, we had a, we had a like an inter-school meet, and I did did a hundred meters. I think I came first or second. Did the two hundred meters? Came first or second? I can't remember. And then um, you know, at that age group, they kind of wanted as many people to participate in the sports as possible. So the so myself, my friend we weren't involved with the relay, um, the 100-meter relay. So as the day went on, someone got hurt and they had to pull out of it, and they asked us if we would want to run, and I said, to them, I said that I'd like to. And um uh, I was running the third leg on the 100-meter, the and when I got the baton, like, you know, it started to run. And as I came to the, the bend, I slipped, and dislocated my hip and tore my hamstring. So you know um, as a thirteen year old you can imagine that was that was uh pretty traumatic and yeah. um, you know and uh, you know fortunately, my mom was there, and she came like flying down out of the stadium to make sure that her son was all right and um ended up going to the hospital and, uh getting checked out, they had to put my hip back in and so on, and it took a few months of uh, recovery. Um, and during that time you know met with physio you know repeatedly and they actually suggested maybe you know going to the park and just kicking the ball around just to try and get some movement through my hips and um when I went up to, when I went to the park I was there with my cousin and uh there was a bunch of guys playing basketball and I never I mean I think the only time I was really exposed to basketball was when my mum took me to see the Harlem Road trials when I was like four or five so you know between that period of time I had no idea what, what they were doing and like I think When I was 13, I was already six foot four. So one of the guys was like, ah, you know, do you play basketball? And for for some reason, I don't know why, I said to him, yeah. (laughs) Probably not the smartest thing that I've ever done. And um, so you you told me to come on. on. I started playing with the guys and I think it became very clear quite quickly um, that I couldn't play. And obviously because of my height, he thought I was a lot older than what I was, and uh, uh, and actually the guy who, who played—I mean, I don't know if you have ever heard of him. I'm sure you know anyone who listens to this is probably a few people who who would have uh, recognised the name. His name is Adam Campbell. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he was the one who basically, you know, found me really, and uh, and when he found out how old I was. he'd he couldn't believe it and he was like, You've got to come down to Hackney, you know, uh and, and this all this took place in Tottenham, so you know, it wasn't like I was on the doorstep of uh playing for Joe Joe White. Yeah. And he invited me down and uh eventually I got the the courage to go down and uh you know, and never looked back since and you know, and fortunately because of that that Injury really is was the and people always ask me you know what what was the you know what was it like getting to the basketball and I tell them it was traumatic because <laughs> the, start of, the start of my basketball career or what have you started off from me getting hurt uh, that that um, that sports day.
0: Do you remember that that uh, the first practice that you walked into with Joe White and what your memories are of it and kind of what happened?
1: Um, yeah, I do actually. I, I remember getting to the gym and. You're walking out to the door and you can hear all the basketballs bouncing. And I, I literally, before I went in, I was like so, so nervous. And, um, I actually almost left without even walking through the door because it was like, for me, it was being well out of my comfort zone. and didn't know anyone there. I actually ended up going down by myself, okay. uh, which was, which, which was a big deal for me. <laughs> like, you know, going from Tottenham to, to, to Hackney to meet, uh, someone that I've never met and to do a sport that I've never really, ever seen and
0: uh, I got there and I
1: was really really nervous and and I tell people that like the, my, my hardest day of basketball was that day you know everything after basketball has been easy compared to that you know like the anxiety that you know I feel when uh, when we're playing in a big game or what have you I always revert back to that day and, I, and then it makes it a lot easier because I was like it was easy. you know anything, anything I do now especially with regards to sports is easy compared to that day and um, I, I walked through the door and I, I met Joe and you know he was I don't know if you ever, if, if he was ever at Homerton uh, but when you walk through he's like this big shot away his desk was and so he's there he sat down and you know he stands up and he has to come out the uh, the shot to really just to see his full frame and uh, you know I got home and I told my mom about him and she was like what's he like and and you know it took me a couple of minutes to try and figure out because I wanted to, to explain him not only his personality, but his uh, his physique, his, you know, his stature. And I said, and the only thing I could think of is, I was like, mom, do you remember Baluda Beer from Jungle Book? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. I was like, that's exactly him. Mannerisms and all, like, friendly, but he's big. He's got a big belly, you know, but, you know, he's got the kind of size. He's like, you know, really, you know, Welcoming, I was like, you know, I, I said to her, I told her right there and then, I was like, I'm playing basketball and I'm gonna play and I'm gonna play for him.
0: Oh. And so, for people that don't that haven't seen Joe before, like he was obviously a big guy. So he was what six, 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 seven, six,
1: eight. Oh, Joe was well taller than me. I mean, he always used to make fun of me. So uh, Joe was about six nine, really. Oh, well, really? Someone. And, and yeah. wide.
0: He had a big frame.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: So that that was kind of your first experience. I mean, then how? So your, correct me if I'm wrong. So your first club was London Towers, right, or was it not?
1: No, well, it would have been. I started playing for Joe, so really, so it would have been more Hackney. Okay. Um, I played for the younger age groups. So and obviously, when I first started, I was only thirteen, so it was, it was it was Hackney. And then as you as I got older to like under 17s, or so when I started playing for under seventeens or under 19s, then it kind of branched more into London Towers. Okay.
0: And were you? Would you say that you it, the game came to you naturally, or did you have to put in work? Um, I mean, I feel I feel like I took to it, you know. Yeah. Obviously,
1: my weight. Uh, but I also spent a lot of time in the gym, you know. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where you know, it's it's quite funny that like some some people take to a sport, but they don't work at it. Uh, some people have to really work at it. And then you get some people who are in the middle who take to it, but they work at it. Mm-hmm. And because I think because I took to it, it allowed me to work even harder. Um, you know, and and I think one of the biggest things for me was that even though I had the high, I had the athleticism. You know, I was pretty for for my age and my build, and you know, and and still learning my body, I was quite uh, agile. Uh, but I, I in the back of my mind, I was always Trying to, in my at least in my mind, I was always trying to catch up with all the guys who were there, and so it was that was my kind of my driving factor that I've got to be as good as these guys. I've got to be as good as these guys, even though the game did kind of uh, come naturally for me. I always looked at them and I was like, well, he's better than me. I've got to try and be as good as him, you know. And then, um, and then you know it was like the guys my own age group. And then once I kind of caught up with them, it was like, well, the guys who are older than me, they're better than me. I want to catch up with them. So. It got to the point where I was in the gym all the time and to the point where Joel had to say, had to draw me up a, a schedule because he was worried that I'd burn myself out. I was literally there that much, so...
0: Really? And did you have access to a gym all the time whenever you could?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it probably quite foreign to a lot of kids now, but, <laughs> but we were in the gym. We could go into the gym before school, uh, during break, during lunch, and after school. That, like, our... Our gyms at the we had like three gyms that we that we had access to, and there was very very little other than basketball that went on in those gyms, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, and, I, and that's probably very very foreign to a lot of young people now. I mean, it was it literally was just basketball that pretty much, you know. The only the only time that you couldn't really get into the gym was uh, during uh, exam times, which uh, I have a really really massive issue with that. I don't understand why we we have classrooms and then we decide that we want to have the exam in a in a gymnasium but still the same you know, to this day <laughs> you know, still the same to this day so um so that was the only time that we couldn't really get into the gym um or at least two of the gyms we could get into the third one um um but but our school was a basketball school so you can imagine like how many kids will come down through all, like, you know, all the five years trying to get into one gym yeah. it was a bit heck, but uh, you know uh, I think it, it was just I mean it was, it, it was the perfect place to be if you was a young person you wanted to learn how to play basketball
0: How soon did you start playing up? Because like so Tony uh, he brought out one story with the, the under 19 final and you as a 13 year old with Jonathan Lavinia played at, at the yeah. end you got on court so were you were you always playing up from day one? I think I might have been fourteen. Okay, 14. Uh, I was fourteen.
1: Yeah, I started I, it, as much as Tony was... You know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some, some stories that Tony's uh, told you that's a little bit a little bit embellished. So I'll <laughs> stay Um straight. Um, I probably would have been fourteen because I started when I was thirteen, and uh, so and that was the summer of my 13th that I started. So it would have been the following year with, um, at final, but. Um, i really did start playing up almost instantly um uh, you know my first my first game that i ever played was playing with i was i would have been 13 and other guys were under 15 Like oh, the really? first game um and you know i remember i remember actually remember that game because i walked i didn't play a whole lot and i came off the court and i was quite like you know upset with myself and like um uh, those other guys uh these are these are these are names that we're going back now, uh, Darren Morgan and yep. uh, Leon Miller, and, like some of these guys who I played with at Homerton, and, and I was upset with myself and they came over and was like, you know, you did a good job. And, you know, it's, that's the first game, you know, it was, it was, you did a great job for, for the first game. And obviously, you know, even though I was still, you know, had some like, you know, a bit disappointed or whatever, having those guys who have been playing and the guys that I looked up, up to as being good basketball players, having them come over and say, you know, you did a pretty good job. Meant a lot, so so I think I pretty much started playing, uh, playing up straight away. You know, uh, I I uh, you know obviously I did play with my own age group, but for the most part, my my the, most of my memories are of playing up with an older age group. So you know, we were like thirteen playing under fifteen, and then I moved up, I was playing under 19. And you know, like I said, like Tony said, within within a year of, or within a, a short period of time, six months of playing. I was all you practising and playing with the undermined teams. So.
0: And you, obviously that helps you tremendously, right? Going up against bigger, stronger physical guys um, and sort of led to your, I guess, getting better so quickly. Because then it, I assume that if you then played your own age, you'd be like, this is easy to me.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, that was one of the great situations uh, playing for Joel is that, you know, if he thought that you was good enough, you were going to play up and, you know, and, and he, he never expected you... To perform the same that as you, as you would with your own age group, so there was no pressure. Um, so you know when you're playing against or practicing against Errol Seaman and Rodney Alexander and uh, Chris Bart Williams and you know some of those guys who are big, strong guys. You know you have to. You you can you know for me it was either I, I'd be as strong as them or just try and be quicker. And I end up you know I think I think that's probably had a lot to do with. Uh, my ability to play on the wing and be be tall is like, there was no way that I was going to beat Errol in the post, uh, you know, or or Rodney or Chris. So I had to find a a way for myself to get on the court with those guys and still be productive. Uh, So, you know, I really worked on like my my game from the outside. And and so now we were able to put on four guys over over 6'6", not there's very many. There was very few teams in the country that could do that at that, at that
0: stage. So, mm. well, what are your own memories of, of playing sort of that that junior level basketball back then? I mean, I've heard so many stories of just just this kid who was just a man child uh, who was just dunking at fourteen and you know dropping forty every game. Like, what are your own memories of that? Uh, I mean,
1: it's just. I mean playing back then, it was just for fun, like, everything was just fun, you know, it yeah. was, uh, there was no, you know, there's no egos, there was no, it, it was, there was it was just, it was just purely for basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and going out, and, you know, you wanted to win, and, you know, we have, she had like, massive rivalry with Brixton, and uh, East London, and, you know, those games were like, you know, 4-2 for now, but, you know, but when you step, step up the court, you know, it's like, like uh Ed Hughes, boy, one of my really good friends and Eugene Barr and Kojo Mansodons you who know, I still speak to and those are all these are all guys who played for Brixton, you know? Um and they're and you know, they're people that I consider extremely good friends. So uh so I remember all those competitive games. I remember the uh you know, going going on the road trips with uh Joe and the other guys on the team but like, to be honest with you, I don't I don't, I don't really remember the wins and the losses. I don't remember what finals we were in because don't, for me, that was secondary to just playing. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, and I, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but like, over the years, it's like, it's, it's kind of been brought to my attention that apparently, like, I've got like this massive ego or whatever. And it's like, it's like, you know, you go, out and you go on the court and you perform and you, and you play hard and, you know, you you do you you, you, you talk to the refs, like maybe try and get a call for your team, and you know uh, you might have some banter on the court. But when the game's over, it's over. You know, and it's funny because when 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 and it's, it's it's funny how it's changed from being junior basketball to professional basketball. It's like when it was junior basketball, you do all the same things, and then when you left, it was you know the fans and what have you. They were it will get left to the court. Now as professional basketball, you leave the game and the fans carry what happened at the game off the court. Yeah. And then they think that what they see on, on game day is who they see, who who they they, they they think that's who you are off the court. I find it like, I actually find it quite amusing really when people say that how I'm, I'm arrogant and I'm egotistical and stuff like that. And then, you know, and then someone like I remember someone said, well, look at the stuff that he does for the off, off the court. And they're like, well, well, again, that's just him being uh, egotistical. OK, <laughs> so you can't, you can't, you know, you can't win either way. But but I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's why that's why for me personally, I I play the way I play, because it's the closest thing that I can have to be back, back there when I was a kid, just going out and playing hard all the time. You know, there's you don't have to deal with all the the BS of you know uh, fans going out and like slating you or uh, you know having to worry about getting paid or you know uh, and so on and so forth. So the only thing that I can control is me the way I play, and I think that's why I still play. Like I, this, like if, uh, if you go back and you had a look at the videos when I was a kid to where where I am now there's no difference in the way I play. You know, it's full on all the time and uh, and I think I will continue to play like that until I can't play like that. Um, where do you think that think... sort
0: of on-court demeanour comes from? Because, uh, you know, a few people have said to play against you can be challenging at times. You know, you can be, you can be difficult um, uh, with trash talk or, you know, with your ego, whatever it might be. Like, where do you think that comes from? Is that just a, a competitive fire that you've just always had inside you? Well, yeah.
1: in terms of trash talking, like anyone who who really really knows me knows that I'm very rarely that like, I'm the first person to start talking. Like, like I I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm a re- I'm, I am a very I mean you know just, this is not going to come as a surprise, but I am a very very competitive person. You know, like maybe yeah. I, I might even go as far as saying I'm ultra competitive. basically, when it comes to the basketball, uh, But I don't go out talk, talk trash people. Do you know what I mean? Like if uh, if there's someone who says that I've, I I. have I've been difficult in terms of trash talking. It's probably that they may have said something to me first, and I react. Oh, and, I, and I and I do react. I, you know, but I don't. I don't I've never reacted in a in sense that it's hurt to hurt my team. I oh. might react in the sense of trying to gain that person's head or let them know that uh, you know this is going to be a long forty minutes for you now or whatever. I was like, I don't. I, I enjoy the 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 competitiveness. and it's funny because you know a lot of people. Are happy to talk trash, but as soon as you start talking trash back, then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, he talks trash and just that and the other. It's like, well, it goes both ways. I mean, like, you know, myself and Alex had a, um, Alex Rumi had a, a moment this past season and, and after the game we talked about it or whatever and like, and I, I consider Alex a really good friend and, but my thing is that, you know, he said he something and I said something back to him and, you know, not not outside of like, not, you know, off the court yeah. stuff, you know, but still within the game and he'd never liked it and, and but, I, but, I said to him, I said to him after the game, I was like, you can't talk trash to me and then expect me to talk trash on the same level. I've got, I've got, I'm going to ramp it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and, and, and then you're going to ramp it up and then I'm going to ramp it up and then and it depends on who, who allowed it to get in their heads uh, the quickest. That's what trash talking is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's not, trash talking is not
1: Oh, you're not a good player. Oh, you're not a good player, you know. You can't shoot. Oh, you can't shoot. Do you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> what, that's tip the tap. You know, trash yeah. is is one artmanship and uh, but I'm not losing focus on what you have to do and trying to have the other person lose focus on what they have to do. So yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm i I've very I'm very rare the person who ignites it. I'm not sitting I'm not gonna sit here and like like you said, this is gonna be a very honest and open uh interview i'm not gonna sit here and say that i'm a i'm a choir boy i'm far from it like i'm gonna you know i will i will go out and i will you know if, if i if i think it, if it, if it warrants it i'm gonna grab someone's jersey i'm gonna yeah. you know grab their shorts. i'm gonna you know lean into a screen or what have you but that's no different than what anyone else does yeah. Do you know what i mean i find that i find that it's it's dirty or or it's uncalled for when i do it because of you know like oh he shouldn't he shouldn't you know he shouldn't do this because he's a gb captain well maybe maybe that's why i'm the gb captain some people don't think about it that way do you know what i mean yeah, um, yeah no, so know. you know with that being said like you know for me like i i know when to turn off i when once once that final whistle goes. I go over and Brian like, nothing said to me once that whistle goes, I go over and shake hands. And 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 I don't and, – and this might be something that pisses people off as well, but I don't actually remember any altercations or stuff that gets talked about off the court – I mean, on, on the court. Yeah. I don't. And that might upset people as well, you know. so
0: yeah. just move on, be done with it. So when um, – one of the things I was trying to find out, which I had great difficulty and I didn't really get very far – was your when you first started representing the national team? Now people have said that you did you did play England juniors, um, but kind of what age groups and what were your memories of that like when you first started playing national team?
1: Um, yeah, I think with uh, the national team, like right, the, the younger age groups. I started playing. I played. I never played my my actually my own age group. I always played up. I played with Jonathan Avignon and Robert Sargent with their age group. Um, I. I did the trials for my age group but I actually never played for for that team. Yeah. Um yeah, when they when they had it in Lily really and stuff. Yeah. Um, um so I played I played with uh, I played up when they had the uh the youth Olympics when that was in Bath.
0: Okay. So played... so what is this, under seventeen on like what what age group was it?
1: Under seventeen, I think. Okay. I think maybe under seventeens or maybe under sixteen there yeah, or there, but you know, it's funny enough that like when we were there, Dwayne, Dwayne Chambers was one one of the the guys that was there. Uh, and that's my and that's where I first met him. There was a couple other players, um, uh, other athletes uh, who went on to to have like you know pretty decent athletic careers as well that were there. So yeah, you know, Dwayne's probably the 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 more recognizable one out, yeah. of, uh, out of the people who were there. So, uh, but played did the 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 Youth Olympics and then um. You go to the European there. Championships. Now, from there, I pretty much went from the Youth Olympics, and then I went straight to the men's. So i was came through. i, was, I was with the men's team from around you know, 16. What, so, what
0: competitions were the men's team competing in back then? Um, uh, well, I because I was because at 16, I played I went
1: a couple practices uh, with them. Did a couple of like friendlies. I remember we went out to um, Saudi Arabia, played a couple friendlies there okay. with Jason Swain and. You know, some, uh, a few other guys, Delmu, uh, Bark. We went to Hungary to play uh, a couple games, uh, but at that same time, at that summer, I moved to the States, so I missed out on a little bit of like more the comparative games. if you remember, that was when they had the the international breaks, so they were they were so everything wasn't done just in the summers. Um, a lot of like games were 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 done during the season, so. Oh, really? Yeah. So I missed out on quite a bit of it, and I think, um, I mean, I, I, I played like maybe 30, 35 times for the England team, but a lot of that was a little bit later on when I was in university and like, we played, uh, you know, tournaments, uh, when, this was when uh, Peter Scannabree was starting to coach, and, you know, so I played I played for England, I, I played both for Lazar Nemo and for Pete Scannabree. So. Okay,
0: nice. So then... The move to the states. Uh, am I right in thinking it, you went to a camp, uh, and then from there you obviously had a lot of interest from various high schools, and you moved over when you were what sixteen?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the guy on the camp, which uh, Markushi, he came over. He was doing a part. he was doing a basketball camp in Europe or something like clinic in Europe, and he came over to. Um, to England, and I guess you, I don't, I, I don't know how, but I guess he was being taught asked about basketball, and it led him to, to um, to Hackney, uh, to our practices, and you know I met met him, and we um, had we had a game, and he watched the game, and I did well, and he asked me if I had any interest of in going to like a university in the states, and I was like, yeah, I'd really enjoy that, and obviously you know being sixteen, I was never going to go straight to university at that age, so. Uh, he was like, well, you know, it would be good to go to high school and, um, and so on. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll look for that. Uh, this was probably, probably when I was about 15 because I went to his camp um, in the summer. I did, a, I did a summer at his camp. And then I think the following year I went, I moved over to the States and um, I ended up going to St. Augustine, which is in the same, not too far from where the camp was held. And they, he knew the the high school. Uh, the high school coach knows the high school really well so he was he had a uh, a big deal or had a big hand in sorting that out for me uh, so then I obviously I moved over when I was 16 uh, did three years of high school and then uh, four years of university
0: Back then was it still like it is now in the sense that everyone wanted to go to to America or was it still not really becoming a thing yet or
1: uh, no I think you know you had the odd few uh, it wasn't it wasn't well, it yeah, it wasn't like what it is now, where uh, everyone thinks that it they have to go to America to be successful. Um, I I mean I I don't know how many people were there at the time, like in the states, but you know in comparison now it's like you know tenfold, you know. Yeah. Where to, and that's probably just being generous. Um, uh, you know, I went I went to high school. Uh, New Jersey, St. Augustine, and then I think Olu came over and we played a year together uh, at St. Augustine. And then um, when I graduated, Pops came over a couple of years later. So, um, But, I was, you know, the, the influx of uh, British players going over to the States, for high school and university, is, it's massive compared to what it was when I was, when I was playing. I think, uh, you know, like looking back, at it. If someone said to me, oh, you know, you can you can still have all the friends and all the relationships that you built over the years, but uh, you know, and you had a choice out of going to the states or go stay going to Europe. If I was to do it over, I'd probably go to Europe. To be honest, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Why is that? I think um, I I think that the I won't say the I won't say the pathway to get to like you know especially if you're someone who has the potential to play professionally, uh, whether it be in Europe or in the NBA, I think the pathway is actually uh, a lot less uh, restrictive, I guess, uh, because in the States, when you're in high school, unless you're like a freshman who's on the, on the varsity team, you're never, you never got the opportunity to play, against, play up all the time. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. But um, over here, if you're a 16-year-old kid, Oh, uh, over here, or in Europe, but uh, if you're a 16-year-old kid and you're good enough, you're gonna be with the men all the time. You know, yeah. that's needed for for your development. Of pulse of playing with 16, 18-year-olds
0: all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you my, my I, biggest shock when I went to the States with with Barkin Abbey uh, over Christmas was just, you know, obviously you watch all the mixtapes and high school basketball looks amazing, and then you actually go there and watch it in person. And you're like, it's not actually that great. You know, and it was a shock to me. It's not it. You uh, A U basketball is better because they but, bring in all the players right yeah
1: but even, even even that being said you could be on a good AAU team and never play against a top 100, 100 uh, player because you know, there's so much that goes on you know you, you still play against some good basketball players don't get me wrong but you know when I was in high school there was probably about four five games out of like our maybe 25 uh, regular season games or maybe maybe thirty regular season games that were a gimme you know that you didn't that you may you may only play 10 minutes you know and then something in the, and then there was a next and then that was the bottom and then the next tier up you know you might play you know 20 minutes or whatever so it was very few there was you know maybe 10 games that were in the regular season uh, which which I would include like uh, Christmas tournaments that you that you had before that you'd be playing a lot, um, yeah. you know. And when people look at people, players' stats in high school and they say that are um, oh, they average 30 a game, it's a bit deceiving because yeah. if you're playing against a Vortex school that you know that that they have basketball and it's more of like a pastime than uh, than guys trying to get to a Div, Div one school, then you're probably going to score sixty against them.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so so that's going to help you. That's going to help your average. I mean. One of the things that, like for for me, one of our the the good thing about our coach, and it may, to be honest with you, a lot of people have said that it may have hurt had hurt my recruitment, is that when we played against those teams and when we were blowing them out, he would take he would take me out, you know, so I wouldn't play, I wouldn't I wouldn't get those numbers or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like some of some teams would just play leave their star player out to get scoring points or whatever, and, you know, I think that. That, I mean, there's two. just I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. It may it may have hurt my recruitment, but it certainly taught me a whole lot about humility as well. So,
0: how do you find that initial adjustment uh, moving over to the states at sixteen year old sixteen years old? I, I read an interview with you in nineteen ninety eight, I think, somewhere, and and uh, and you were saying that uh, that just the hardest thing was just being away from your family. Um, yeah, so, it was the
1: basketball. The basketball was. It, it, it was. For me, it was it wasn't a massive a massive adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, that was one of the things that, like, uh, I remember my coach saying that you know he he had it was he had like players coming from different parts of the country who had you know from a basketball standpoint had a harder time adjusting to the basketball than what I did. You know, um, which is you know which is a weird statement because they because they they're American or whatever, but like just you know, the way I played it, just fit into the way they wanted to play and so on. But, um, uh, it was really hard. I mean, like my first year, I was, I was there, I lived with a family and, uh, it was, both, when I say family, it was like the father and the son. And, uh, the son had played for, my coach played boss uh, like football, American football and basketball at my that, high school. Was that Lou Rusky? No, no, this was a guy called Josh, Josh Husty.
0: Okay.
1: So, um, uh, his parent, his his mom had passed away about a year ago, a year before I arrived, and um, so I was there. And the dad used to work long hours, so a lot of the time I was at the house by myself, like after practice and stuff like that. You know, come in, make something myself to eat, so on and so forth. And by the time it was like like around seven o'clock, uh, you know, Mister Hufty would start uh, beginning work. So that was pretty tough, like you know, making that adjustment. You know, it was that was really hard. I, I mean, I remember that first three months or so, especially like leading up to basketball, because they uh, their season doesn't didn't really start until like mid November. You know, and that was new for me because we'd start we, we start pretty much playing games in like September. You know what I mean? So I mean, that wait, play official games was uh, was tough. Um, and there was that first year, I almost came back, and then. Um, then I started living, I started hanging out with uh, one of the guys, the point guards on the team, uh, who's a year older than me, uh, named uh, Tom, Tom Pippett And, uh, you know, we came really close, came close with a family. I still speak to him, you know, today. And... Uh, and I was living there for, like, you know, first it was, like, you know, just on the weekends because we had a game or whatever. and what have you. Then it was, like, you know, Thursday till Monday. And then all of a sudden it was, like, over there during the week. And then I, every once in a while I go back to the Hofties. And, and then, like, Mr. Um, he had a conversation, we sat me down and he was, like, you know, the whole thing. So I ended up staying there for the rest of the, t- the, rest of the school year. And then my following year, because um, the Pippers didn't have a, a big house and they already had three kids. So, you know, it was it was as much as they, as much as they enjoyed me being there, it was a bit hard for them, you know, it was like a two bedroom house with like three kids, it was it was yeah. really tough. So, um, my following year, I ended up living with, uh, with Lou Ruski. Okay. Uh, we were, we were, we were the same grades uh, in terms of high school, so, I think we were going into our junior That's year that year, and I ended up living with him, and again, you know, uh, I speak to them all the time, you know, very close with uh, the family, and, yeah, um, you know, I speak to I speak to Lou and very close with Lou as well. So um...
0: now, by your by your junior year, you were then a top one hundred ranked player in the states, right? Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Were you surprised at how much success you had? Were you expecting to go out there and be good, or were you expecting there to be an adjustment period? Like, you know, what were your expectations, and how did, how did this, this, the actual situation uh, play out?
1: Um, I think. I think I was lucky in the sense that there wasn't anyone who had gone really before me my age. So I didn't have I didn't have I didn't have anyone to really ask questions about it. I kinda of just went over with an open mind and and I was like, you know, I, I wanted to go out there and, and do well. You know, I was like I thought to myself that I'm doing well here, you know, and the good thing is I was somewhat naive as well. I was just thinking that it's possible possible, wherever you go. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I was like, I'm just going to go out and play basketball and everything uh, and, uh, will take care of itself. And 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 it did, really. You know, I never... Like, when, uh, when I was told that I was, like, a top 100 prospect, I didn't even know what that meant. You know? And I remember my coach telling me that I was... And I was kind of... I was like, is that a good thing or, or what? It's like, a really good thing. <laughs> you know? uh because I was like, well, 100? That's, you know, you're a top 100. Well, does that mean that I'm 99 or whatever? But he was like, even, he, he was, I mean, he made, it, tried to make it clear. He was like, even if you are 99, that's still good because all the high school players that are playing, you're in the top 100. So I wasn't even, I wasn't even sure if it was, it was, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and that's, and, and I'm not embarrassed to say that's how naive I was about it all. Yeah. You know, I, just literally, I literally went there to play basketball and to enjoy myself and, uh, and get an education and, um, so, uh, you know, I went up. I, I played against, you know, with Saul Butler and um, Lamar Oldham and some of those guys who were like that age group or what have you. And I didn't, I, I didn't do, I didn't do badly against them, you know. And uh, these are guys who did, everyone talked about going to the NBA. And you know, you think to yourself, you know, at that stage when you're like 18 years old, you think to yourself,
0: Maybe I might be
1: able to have a shot. this is what this is what people are looking at, uh, looking for in players, and you know, and and you know, obviously, it never it didn't happen. For, have, didn't happen for, uh, for me, but I am. It's something I look back at, and I'm actually I'm proud that I I was able to play against these guys, and uh, you know, and, and it's funny because when I go back in the, the states every once in a while, and like the from. Philadelphia, you know, you see him, and he, he still remembers you, and he, and you know, there's a lot of times he was like, remember when we played against each other? He was at Roman Catholic, I was at the Prep, and you know, we played against each other, we talk about uh, the games, and you know, he told people how he played at, you know, he's from England, he played, he played here, there, or whatever, and you know, you, it, you know, it, it's nice when you can leave a a positive lasting memory or effect on someone who's, who's done so much in his career.
0: So. Mm. And then by your senior year, you were top fifty.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I actually honestly, and by this time, I kind of started understanding what, what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after, when you make the top hundred and people start uh, telling you, you, you do a little bit of research and you're like, oh, so this is a good thing. And, uh, my senior year, I was top 50. I think, um, I was like one of the top, top two or three players in, in the state of New Jersey. Um, uh, Duane Wagner was also, uh, oh, okay. in, I, mean, I think Deron was a year younger than me, but, you know, um, so I was thinking to myself, oh, yeah, I might make the All-American game, which, I, which, which which would have been a massive achievement for me. Unfortunately, I didn't make it, but, you know, to, to get considered in, in, again, you know, in that kind of caliber of player um, where pretty much, if not everyone in that top 50, other than myself, almost, Everyone was uh, American, so yeah. that was that was a big deal for me.
0: So, I'm assuming. At what point did the recruiting process start? I mean, I've I, I read a set, some stuff about you talking about that and just saying it was really overwhelming.
1: Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, the first letter I ever got was before I actually even moved to America. I mean, when I was 15, I got one from Syracuse. Really? I was, yeah, uh, I was 15. I got a letter from Syracuse. Uh, just like expressing their interest and so on, and uh, you know, and and it's great because obviously it, you know. But even back then, it was still Jim Bayheim, and he's still there, <laughs> and doesn't like seem he, like he's going anywhere. So, uh, so it's it's funny because you know, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I I I met or I knew J- Jim Beheim from since I was fifteen. So in, in high school, at university, I played against him. And I played against him at an international level because obviously he was assistant coach in the US team. So mm. um, you know, and then um, but it was it was really overwhelming. Like from a kid who 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 had never been a part of anything like that, who didn't really understand what it was, and didn't had I had no idea what you know. The, for me, the, the only thing that I knew about was uh, professional football. You know, i uh, didn't even really understand like how big basketball was for a uh, professional sport until I moved over to the States because it wasn't it wasn't as readily available on T V over here. You know, all you really saw was like European basketball. Um, to uh to be exposed to it, like to hide like the, the, the university type, you know, the interests of people and like, you know, getting invited to go to games and you know, the coaches, uh, saying that we really want you to come and so on and so forth, like getting the letters and the phone calls and, you know, the, oh, we're just checking in and, you know, hope, hope everything's going alright. Hope your family's alright. Hope school's alright. You know, it was, it was, it was really overwhelming. Um, I think that's probably, you know, like, if I'm honest, that probably has a lot to do with why I chose Villanova because I had already had an anchor in, a in new jersey and and it was for me it was like i was comfortable in new jersey i was comfortable with uh, this, this group of this this group of people uh the, the, the ruskies the Pippets, coach rodeo uh, at the high school the prep you know that that was like my home away from home and i just couldn't i like to to leave that to leave there and go far away it was actually became quite daunting um, and, I mean, but, you know, it's, it, it worked out because I went to a, a great university, you know. A, you know, a good a university with a really good and strong basketball tradition. And, uh, and uh, you know, I played for, you know, probably one of the best coaches that I've ever played for a coach, right?
0: And, like, you were being recruited by everyone, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, not everyone, but, you
0: know, uh, schools
1: that I could be proud of, like schools that uh, that if they come recruiting, you, you know, you, you're really, really uh, happy about, it. I mean, you know, uh, Kansas, uh, this, I was getting recruited by UMass when UMass was really, really good. Uh, Georgetown, uh, obviously, Brillanova, St. Joe's, NC State, uh, Virginia, um, you know Arizona, uh, California. So you know there was there was, was a lot of schools that that um, had shown interest. But uh, I even got I actually got recruited by Rockers, but to go and play American football and never, <laughs> <laughs> never, never 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 participated in a in a in an official uh, football game ever. But they were like, you know, we want you to come and play football. I'm like, yeah, we just we we'll just, we'll just put this we we'll file this under no comment. So... <laughs>
0: so um there's there's some people have a theory there's a bit of conspiracy and i've seen you refute in the press before that because your high school coach was a villanova alum that is why you chose villanova but you say that it's literally because of the fact that you didn't want to readjust all over again to a new area right
1: yeah uh the you know the coach for was great through my whole uh, recruiting recruiting process. He never pushed me in any direction, yeah. you know. He, uh, you know. And then like our assistant coach, Coach Iconelli, was even even less, uh, um, you know, accommodating with regards to. He was like, "Let him go where he wants to go." And that was it. Yeah, <laughs> that was that's what Coach canelli's uh theory behind it, or and uh, you know, but. Coach Roger never, not, not for one second, pushed me towards Villanova. Uh, you know, uh, I, I spoke to him about like my where, where some of the schools that I would, would have liked to have gone that I was interested in, but at no point, no, no point in time, and you know, and I, I, I swear down that he didn't push me in. Yeah. I I didn't know, you, didn't,
0: or... you didn't take any of your visits to any other schools, right?
1: No, I think uh, I knew that I wanted to go to Villanova. You know, uh, I knew that, like, I met, I met Tim Thomas, um, uh, cause he from New Jersey. I met, uh, Billy Callan. I met, um, a couple other guys, uh, uh, uh John Sennestan and a few other guys. And, uh, like, I just clicked with them, you know, uh, so and that was where I wanted to go. Uh, I, I, like, I obviously, there's a lot of guys who take like multiple visits and, and in the back of their mind, they already know where they want to go, but yeah. it's just like a day it's, it's a way to go get a free trip or whatever. And I, and I haven't got any, have no issue with that. I was like, you know, maybe looking back at it, if, you know, if I was doing it again, I probably would, you know, get to go and see some different, uh, different campuses, different parts of uh, the country or have you. But I knew that Villanova was where I wanted to go. So th- th- for me, it didn't make any sense to, to prolong, prolong that or to draw it out.
0: How do you look back on on those four years of Villanova?
1: Um, it was, I mean, you know, it, it's probably some of the best times of my life, as, like as a, a young person. Uh, um, you know, I had to do, I had to do his coach, go, go to class, and play basketball. I mean, as a kid, you know, uh, what more do you want? Like, and you don't have, you don't have a a, a parent or you uh, know looking over you or you tell you what time you got the bed so you've got a freedom you've got the freedom of an adult but none of the responsibilities you know <laughs> it's, a <great> <laughs> it's a great time in your life uh you know obviously um uh, i mean there's 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 some things that I would have liked to you know being different I would have probably liked to play played more and you know my first two years I knew it was going to be a learning experience but I, I that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Reno because I knew that they had like a uh, a really good upperclassman so I wouldn't have to be thrown in straight away I wanted to learn you know I wanted to I wanted to develop as a player opposed to going in and everyone's like all right you've got to do this and you've got to do that you know um so and obviously we had after two years we had a coaching change and coach white came in and I I played every I started every game for for them my junior year and I learned so much from coach white in terms of you know how to conduct yourself. And, uh, as a basketball player, you know what to expect from yourself. You know when you when you think that 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 your gas tank is running out, you, there's there's always you always have something in reserve, you know, and and how to tap into it. Um, and I think you know, Coach Wright has a lot to do with, uh, with the way I push myself on the basketball court today, and my and how my. My, my my standards for myself and the people around me have gone up, you know, so much by playing for him because he had he has such high standards for himself and the people around him. And uh, and it definitely rubbed off on me.
0: And it was at Villanova where you really became a defensive stopper, right?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, your first two years, obviously, you know, uh, you're playing with a bunch of guys who are, who have established themselves as, uh, you know, you know, the go-to players and so on and so forth. And you know, as much as I wanted to learn, I wanted to be on the court. So um, I I I said that you know the easiest thing for me to do is become a good defender. You know, uh, because there's no guarantee on whether you're going to get a shot. There's no there's, there's there's no guarantee whether the coach is going to uh, uh, want to play for you or what have you. Um, I, I I mean I I think that. You know, with regards to offense, that's where a lot of coaches can dictate how good you are. Or not. You know, you obviously you have to have like basic skills where you can shoot, draw, pass, score, whatever you. But they can turn you into a twenty-point score if they if they if they, if, if they want to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but a coach can't coach a coach can't turn you into a great defender if you want to do that. You know, you can be if you could want to score. But a coach could stop you from scoring if you want. To. <laughs> right? If you're a good, if you're a good defender and you want to do it, there's there's nothing that a coach can do to stop to stop you from doing uh, from from becoming that. And and now for me, I looked at it as that my best opportunity to get on the court, and and it worked out. Um, you know, my freshman year, I played a lot more than what they probably thought. My sophomore year, I played a uh, uh, less for whatever reason. I mean, well, I know I know what the reason was it, it was more to do with my coach than... Me personally, Coach Lapis. and then uh, obviously uh, my uh, junior, senior year, I, I played a lot. Uh, or I played a good amount, and that's what I was asked to do, and that's what, and, and I was happy to do it.
0: Let me ask you: Do you think that? Uh, do you think that by becoming a defensive stopper, it almost boxed you in as a defensive player, and it hurt your offensive game?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know when. Uh, when uh you become become good at something people think that's the only thing that you're good at um so for a while, especially at, especially at university uh that was it it was like he's good def- he's a good defender but they but if they forget that like I, uh, you know I scored a lot of points when i was in in high school you know and then um my my first year out um obviously the coach knew that I was a good defender but he he was like, he wanted me to be much more aggressive offensively, he said that, you know, he felt like I had the tools. And, you know, my, my, my rookie year in, uh, on a team that was full of veterans, I think I averaged like almost 10 points a game, but I was still, but I still charged to, to be a good defender. He, you know, my coach never allowed me to, to let that part of my game slip, but he wanted me to be, become a better offensive player. Um, and, and, I, and, and, you know, I, I did that. It worked out well. So, you know, you definitely can. Um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, it, it, that has happened somewhat with the national team, uh, where it's like, well, okay, we're gonna true your, your defender or what have you. But, you know, if people forget when, uh, the first, the first year or so, when, um, the national, the GB team was in 2006, I was averaging, averaged like 14 or 15 points a game against some, some good teams. So, and, uh, even, even before that, when I, when we played in a couple of tournaments, well, in, uh, in the Commonwealth games in, in Australia, I think I was leading the tournament and scoring. I think I was averaging 20 points a game and I've still played defense. So, you know, sometimes you, you people do forget a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. If, if, if uh, if, if it's, if, if that gets me on a the court, then, then yeah. that's, that's what it means to me, so.
0: Do you think it hurt your career? Because you know, I you know, I've been told once one particular story where uh, at ACC camp, and uh, you were just shooting around on a on a separate court, and there was a bunch of guys from England on another court sitting there, and they just said there was just college coaches, scouts, all just watching you, and uh, and they were like uh, they were like we don't even know whether he's worth recruiting because we think that he could either jump straight to the NBA from high school or potentially. He would go to college and be a one and done, and then leave leave straight for the league after, after, after his first year. Um, So kind of that was there was those level of expectations where everyone was like, this guy is gonna be a future star. Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. Uh, You know, uh, you know. Again, you you make a decision uh, when you're a kid because. uh, and I think if I really grasped the whole NBA thing when I was, you know, 18 and 19, maybe I would have uh, chose my my career path in terms of university a little better. I would have probably maybe gone to a school where they were like, okay, well, we want you to be the man straight away. And, yeah. you know, uh, opposed, to, opposed to me saying, okay, I want I to develop as a basketball player. If I had to buy, if I, you know, if I really grasped it, I may have said, you know what, I'll, let me just go to a university, do, show what I can do, and then, then, then leave, uh, potentially, and then develop in the NBA, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, one of those things, it's like, you look back at it, it's like, you don't, you don't know what would have happened if you'd, like, make a, a decision differently. But, you know, one thing that I can always say is, and, uh, that I'm, I'm happy with my life. You know what I mean and and, then, and that's the only thing that I can say for for sure you know I, like I said, I can't say what, how things would have worked out. I, I made a different decision, but I can say for sure that I'm happy with my life now, so
0: that's the most important thing, right so yeah definitely. so around uh, when you were at college uh, was the same sort of time that rough and ready uh was was happening. now can you talk a little bit about rough and ready for people that haven't heard of it, what it is and and um, and what it was about?
1: Um rough and ready was the the thing you know you're you're in the states and you're you have you know you you're getting recruited by all these universities and uh you know and you're thinking about what you could potentially do at university or maybe beyond or what have you but rough and ready was what I look forward to every year you know i mean it was that big playing playing at one of the best uh best venues in the country at the Rough House. I mean, you know, if you haven't if you haven't been there when uh when when things are in full flow at the Roughhouse then you then you've missed out on like a massive part of basketball uh the, the basketball uh, lineage or legacy in 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 England uh, uh so, so when you had a rough array there where you bring in, you know, essentially the best players from that from Britain or from England Playing in one place, uh, playing in a tournament. I mean, uh, the 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 atmosphere was just absolutely electric, and and it wasn't playing in front of. It wasn't street ball, you know. It was basketball, you know. There was probably like a, you know slight slight uh, street ball elements, but not to the the ex the ridiculous extent of like you seeing like M one or whatever. Like there, it wasn't like that. It was still it was still essentially basketball to be played properly with with proper basketballs, rules um, and you know I, I absolutely cherish those, uh, those those days I used to love looking forward to or I used to look forward to playing against you know Adieu and uh, you know Jurek Mike Bernard and all those guys uh, you know I, I, I used to literally absolutely can't look forward to the end of this the regular season or the school year to get on a plane to come back and play in and Ready
0: so and it was the format was north east south west right. It was a fourteen yeah. tournament, uh, yeah. And then the winner takes all. And obviously, there was a, a lot of legendary battles over the years. Um, there was obviously one that people talk about a lot, which is when you played Adu and you two went at it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and your memories of that?
1: Um, well, as you was for me, like everyone talks about, like about players who should have made it and what have you, and like you know, there's there's. There's people who said that, like you know, they thought that I would have made it to the NBA or whatever. You, I, you know, hands down, I would have. I, I would have thought that you would have made it. I think that, you know, I, I, I even now, I still go as far as saying that I feel like he's a better basketball player than me. You know, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Lou Elizik got got uh, had had a great teacher there, had a great role model because. You know, because I honestly really do with my hand on my heart. I feel like Jew uh, should have been playing in the NBA. I mean, he was 6'11, you know, he could handle the ball, he could shoot the ball like a guard, and he, you know, catch the ball in the post and turn around and shoot jump shots or whatever. So, you know, playing against someone like that was was, was tough. And the thing is, we never really essentially play the same position, but everybody wants us to play against each other. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I remember, uh, I think think you can actually still find us on YouTube, uh, but um, I remember when I uh, I think it must have been a a rebound or something, but I caught caught him on the wing and he he was matched up and uh, gave him a little bit of a shimmy and went baseline and took off and dunked it. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously it's one of those ones that uh, over the years it, it becomes bigger and more embellished or what have you, but... But yeah, it was it was it was it was a, it was a pretty good move, and uh, it's probably one of the thing, one of one of the points in Rough and Ready that that's definitely gone out of history.
0: So, I uh, so I started digitizing all those tapes a little while while ago for at least a couple of years back, and I've obviously only ever heard stories. I never went to Rough and Ready. I was brought up on the southeast coast, and uh, mm. and I remember watching you. I mean, there was stuff like there was just one time when you stole it on the wing. And you just and you just wide open. You took up and like I freeze framed it, and your whole forearm was above the rim. Like your athleticism was just insane. Um, How do you look back on those times now, compared to obviously getting a little bit older? Uh, I mean, you can still dunk on people and stuff, uh, but it's not like it used to be. (laughs) No, it's not like it used. It's not.
1: It's not like it used to be. Um, You know, even like now, like I do, I play it down a little bit. Because, people, because it's obviously you know unless you was around back then and like you, it, you know a lot of people would say oh you couldn't do that you couldn't do that you, you you know you don't jump that high and as I play it down a lot you know um, you know I think I, 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 you know from a personal standpoint like, looking at, looking at myself as a, an athlete like as a 16 year old or 18 year old kid like you know I was for someone who was six foot seven six foot six I was I think I was really really blessed with. A great combination of like, you know, quickness, uh, speed, and like agility and jump and my like jumping, you know, um, and you know, probably a little bit over at some points in time in my career, I may have relied on that a little bit too much or what have you. But you know, I think I think when I got to about twenty, I'd say probably about twenty six, and, and this obviously coincide with me moving to Spain. I really took like you know a lot more focus on like my skills and and um and i use my athleticism as just purely bonus
0: Mm.
1: you know i think i think after my time in spain i became a hell of a lot of better basketball player but you know uh but don't get but don't but don't whoever's whoever's listening to this, you know, like if I play against you next season, don't think that i won't won't hesitate to dunk with you' <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of people who've got it over the past couple of years, and I don't dunk all the time you know i don't I don't read i don't you know I don't put as much stock in it anymore like you know. Go on a fast break and you know if i've got if i can just drop it in or like absolutely hammer it i'm going to drop it in you know because at the end of the day they still count for two and and you know and and i i kind of use use duncan now to kind of like more so as like sending a, not even sending a message but i do it out of necessity than like you know than anything else if if mm. if it's if between me scoring or you blocking me, then I'm gonna dunk it. Yeah. If I, if it, if there's no threat of you, if there's no threat of being blocked or whatever, and I go on the lane and people like move or I get around people, I just put off the glass, and, uh, which is obviously massively different from uh, because you because you played obviously when you're younger as well. You played for the crowd now I'm playing for my team. So you, so it's not just physical. The physical shift is a mindset shift as well.
0: So. So kind of going back, so you you graduated from Villanova. Now, when you graduated, uh, what was like? Did you? I mean, what were the options on the table? Where did you think you were going to go? Obviously, you you ended up in Holland, right? Your first year. Well, I actually thought I was going to go to team. Well, I, I went. I had
1: an offer to go to a team. Uh, I would not say Poland, but my my. My, my, my friend Dave who's my agent at the time he probably told me no it wasn't Poland but I think it was Poland anyway. And but it was like like I wasn't ready to go. It was like like mid July, you know, and I was just like, well, oh, I'm just not ready to go. So I ended up not going. Uh, and then uh I got an offer to go to Germany and they were looking for four. Um and I got there and they were like oh we're you not know, you're not know, you're not know what we're looking for and I was like, Well, you know kind of told you what position I played or whatever really so I was there for like but they kept me out there um for like two weeks because I got cause I got along with all the guys there uh, so well and uh, in, a, in a short space of time like I can't remember, if you remember the guy uh C.C. Harrison was there from NC State and he was like a really quality guy and, um so we were there I spent two weeks out there trained and it was good and then um, they were just like, "Well, we need a four or whatever." Um, I was like, yeah, it's like, "Yes, fine." And I got back in okay, my mum's back in England, and then I got uh, an offer to go to Holland, and and I was what they were looking for. They they uh, they had a guy named called uh, Chetney Howard, who was a three, and he had just done his knee, and they were looking for a three. And um, you know, I went, and uh, you know, it was, it was great being out there because I played with a lot. Of on that team, there was a lot of guys who played like four or five years already, or, or more, um, and they really taught me what it, what it meant to be a professional uh, athlete. You know, whereas coach rights taught me what I should, what I need to do for, as a basketball player all the time. They taught me how to how to be a professional in terms of like being on time, and how to conduct yourself, and so on and so forth. So,
0: what was the level like out there? How how did you how was the transition from college ball to pro ball?
1: Um, well, my coach said that he, in his opinion, he thought I did really, really well. Like, I mean, I was just like, well, just shit on the 10 points a game. And, uh, he said that, you know, one of the things that he was really impressed with was like my footwork, because he said a lot of guys come to the States in high school and university or whatever, they, they travel all the time. And he said that that's something that I never really got called, called for, um, uh, um, to compare in terms of competing, like, you know, uh, i mean like I'm, I mean even now I'm you know when i when I graduated from university I was probably like 195 pounds like soaking wet so I'm on, I'm probably like 200 205 pounds soaking wet now so I haven't you know I'm not massively heavy from when I was there but I was pretty strong uh, you know so so in that sense I I can compete with some a lot of those guys and um, so we were playing in Holland in, in the Dutch league as well as playing in a uh, Euro Euro. Cup or whatever it was I can't remember what it was called back there they changed the name uh, now but we played in that as well so we, we did a lot uh, we played you know a pretty competitive uh, pretty competitive level and you know really enjoyed it while I was there
0: and language wise did they, did they speak English or did you have a translator yeah. mm-hmm. the,
1: the good thing is that uh, that they uh, everyone everyone in Holland speaks English and yeah. uh, you know, if you're if you're a kid who's coming out for the first time whether it be from England or if you're an American coming out like Holland is a really good place to start out because you you only have to deal with one change uh, you know obviously like being away from home or what have you that everyone everyone in Holland speaks English like perfect English as well uh, but the the team that I played for they actually had it mandatory that the foreigners take Dutch uh, really? which was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't Barry we went we had that go once a week and you know it was pretty cool I don't don't remember a whole lot but uh, yeah we had to, we had to do a little bit of Dutch while we were there
0: and then the year after that you ended up back in Newcastle back in England at Newcastle
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I actually only was supposed to be there for to, to work out like um Tony Tony was obviously the coach at Newcastle for a time, and he knew Paul, and, and um, I said to Tony that, like, you know, back in England, I wanted to work out and do something, and he said, oh, you know, um, he'd speak to Paul, and I got invited up, and I was there, and I was, like, practicing with him, and then eventually they, they offered me a contract, so, uh, um, and, and I ended up staying, staying for two years, and I think in um, two years that that I was here, we... We the first year we won uh, I think the first bit of silverware that Newcastle had and we won two bits of silverware had a trophy and uh, the playoffs yeah trophy in the playoffs and then the following year we won all four. So
0: who was the coach back then? Was that You're still-, I was still Fab? Yeah. You're still Fab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And what's your relationship been like with him over the years? You obviously said to me that he's one of the sort of guys that knows you very well.
1: Yeah, I mean myself and Fab we. Uh, you know, I I a few a couple of years ago I did I a little something for my old website or whatever and it was like trying to clear up some things 'cause everyone everyone seems to think that myself and Fab have like this really bad relationship. Uh, um, but, you know, we I describe it as like being siblings, you know, we have a we have we have a rivalry where we will play against each other too for now. Uh but but we speak all the time. You know, I'll call him and uh, you know ask him about stuff and you know and like and and look, more often not in the summers I normally go down and work out with him and 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 if I if I don't work out with him just like he and I or my uh, I will go down to Sports Central and play pickup with him himself and like some other guys so you know we get along really well and uh, you know and I think a lot of people think that because I don't. Because I don't play for the team, that it means that he doesn't like me, or or something like that. So, but I think that's a massive misconception.
0: How did you feel about being back in England? I read an interview um, with a with a Newcastle newspaper, and kind of when you were twenty four, twenty five, and you kind of said, "I expected to be here more towards the end of my career, not not this early." Um, I mean, how did you find it? Were you happy in, in Newcastle?
1: I, have, I mean,
0: I, I had a great time here. Yeah. You know,
1: like you know, when uh when you when you say you what you expect uh you know a lot of, we we all have expectations and uh of of how we would like things to go and whether whether what we expect is the best thing is not always the case you know um uh you know I've obviously I've heard the you know you hear comments are you know, Drew's wasted is, uh, his ability, he never hit the highest that he was supposed to or what have you. But maybe this is where I was supposed to be. Maybe this is how this maybe this is how my life was supposed to be. You know, maybe I was supposed to be the person that like people a lot of people had expectations for and and they didn't come to fruition and I can go back and say to a kid, you know, this is you know this is uh this is what could happen to you, you know, uh, so be prepared for it. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. You know, it just means that things have all worked out, and 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 uh, you know, fortunately, from my standpoint, I've got like a real strong family base where I, it could have been my life could have been, you know, not hitting the heights that what was projected for me could have been a massive detriment to to me as a person. Uh, but b- because of the support that I have with my family and stuff like that, it's been an absolute. It's been the absolute opposite. It's been a. It's been a blessing. You know, you think about. You think about it, like and 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 this is probably this is probably feeds into someone going to someone's going listen to this. They see, I told you, you'd school, But um, you think about, it, I'm a player that spent the majority of my career in in England, and I'm probably the probably the most or one of the most recognizable basketball players this country's ever had. And and I and I spent the majority of my time in England. Like, can't be a bad thing, can it? You know, yeah, the, I mean the irony well, is
0: I speak to guys all the time, that, and they all say I would love to play in England. I would love to play in England, you know. But for mm-hmm. them, it's just they just obviously money wise and everything else. Like uh, they just haven't been offered a, a a decent offer or the right situation for them for for it to be more well, enticing than being abroad.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things, is that, and this is I know this has gone off subject a little bit, but one of the things is you find that like a lot of a lot of. Uh, GMs over here, they don't want to push the... They don't, they, they don't, it's not about pushing the bar financially, it's just that... It's like when you've got... When you're that, that, that shy little boy and you've got a girl in the, in the schoolyard that you like, you don't want to ask her out because you're right that she's going to say no. But she might say yes, you know? <laughs> and that's how it is. It's like so many... You hear it all the time, like, you know, GMs say, oh, I'd love to go after so-and-so. And it's like, well, why don't you ask them? Oh, they won't come because we, we can't afford them. Well, you never know. This kid might... this. You don't know what's going on behind the closed doors. This kid might not have any offers. He mm. might say, you know, "This might be a great opportunity for me to show people what I can do." It's like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no, and then you're still back at where you where you were. They might say yes, and then all of a sudden you get this player that probably, may sh- realistically, shouldn't be here, but you get get him for like a year or so. You know, so.
0: And um, financially, I mean, you were you were getting decent salary in the BBL comparatively to a lot of other players, right?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know what anyone else makes. Um, uh, that's one thing that I've, uh, I've always kept, uh, I, I kept away from knowing or wanting to know what other people make and, uh, and I keep what I make, across uh, close to my chest. Uh, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, you know, but what I will say is that it would be nice if, uh, if, if from a league wise standpoint, uh, you know the people who are you know the quote unquote have nots, do will get a better shape. You know I think, I think that's something that really needs to be looked at. I mean it's a it's a shame where and again I don't know what people make in terms of like you know wages or whatever. This is all just speculative, but you know it, it's it's tough when someone who, who plays quote unquote professional basketball is making less than someone who works part time at ASBA,
0: mm. You know, it's bad. So in the so in this two years in Newcastle, was this when you first had started having a family?
1: No, no. Uh, was, this, was that later? Was, no, that was later. Um, when I was, uh, this was when I first moved up here. Uh, it was my like my first two years. So no, I didn't start we didn't start having a family with uh, my wife until eesh, until two thousand six. So at, at the end of it, like after I left. Okay. I
0: left Newcastle All right. Years. We'll get to that then. So then, after Newcastle, that was when you first made the jump to Spain with bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How How did that come about? And kind of what were your experiences in Spain? Um.
1: Well, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know is that I actually my first year in New, Newcastle, like just around Christmas time, I actually got offer from Real Madrid. Um, I spoke to my agent and he was like, you know, it's, it's a good, it's it's a good offer, but he was like, you have to understand that you're not going to play. You know, he was like, this is when Lewis Bullock was there, and you know, when Lewis Bullock was like, like, all, like MVP candidate every year. You know, they had like a really, really strong team. Uh, and he was like, you know, you, you're not going to play, He's gonna, I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be really, really hard for you to get in court time. So I ended up uh, actually turning down, turning down the offer. Um, wow. And then I um, obviously stayed that, the that first year, which was 2004, 2005. And then um, I actually came back, for the second year, because of the Commonwealth Games, I went. I wanted to play in the Commonwealth Games, so I stayed at that the following year. And and you know things things work out. I end up going to uh, still getting an offer to go to Spain for that. You know, for less money, but not massively, not a huge amount less than uh, what I would, would have got in Real Madrid. So um, it worked out well in the end. You know, it, obviously it was massive gamble from my standpoint. I could have gone on like. I could have just said, um oh, just get the money and and sit on the bench for you know however long the contract would have been." for, but I was like, "I wanted, to, I wanted to play." I felt like there was still a lot of uh, improvement, improving that I could have made and uh, developing and it. Just I wanted to be able to develop my game in game situations as well, not just in practice every day. So um, it was obviously a massive risk, you know. Um, but if uh, it worked out in the end, I ended up going moving to Spain anyway for uh, um, in 2006.
0: And um, Rob Archibald and Betts were on that team.
1: Yes, yes they were. So you had, th-
0: you had three three British guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Rob and Andy, just you know, like they made they made it so much easier being there. Like you know, they they made a transition transition so easy and uh you know knowing that there was guys that I I already knew and get like, I got along with uh who were already there and obviously, you know, if you don't know Rob and Andy, they you know, they they like to be centre of attention. <laughs> so it was good. It was it was good, My like, we obviously uh our, our families became really close and they still are, to be honest. And uh, uh you know, it was it was it was great being out there with those two uh, during, during that during that yeah.
0: And so was the Commonwealth Games before Spain or after that season in Spain?
1: Before Spain, Commonwealth Games. Actually, the Commonwealth Games happened during uh, the season in my second my second year at Newcastle. So the two thousand and five two thousand and six season. It happened in the February in the February March time.
0: So you had to leave. You left Newcastle to go. Oh, okay. Um, what and how, you know Commonwealth Games? Talk to me about that. How How was that?
1: It was. I mean, you know. it was Maybe it was the biggest tournament that I had been a part of, a basketball tournament that I had been part of uh, thus far. Um, to you know, going off, going to another country to play basketball uh, for like, such an extended period of time. I think we was out there for like about a month or so, uh, playing against like some some really really good basketball players. Obviously, you know, you got Australia and uh, and uh, New Zealand who had like some really good basketball players there um, at the time and. Some guys were playing in um, the Australian League, and uh, there's a couple of guys who actually played in England. Um, and uh, you know, we're so not going out there and like adjusting to the time difference, adjusting to you know the climate, you know, and so on and so forth. It was, it took a little bit of time, but I mean, once once we got on the court, it was great. And um, you know, I think during the time that I was there, I played uh, played really really well. Unfortunately, I I got I had an injury. Um, I think it must be like one of our last games, last group games, because uh, or in the semi final I think it was because I was I, I you wasn't able third to third place
0: game right against Nigeria. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it was uh, that that was really um, that was really tough for me because not only was I missing that game, I actually nobody really knew the extent of what the injury was. I I mean, like obviously from my standpoint, it was like kind of like around, it was around the knee area. So I was like, you know, I have to have a like torn my ACL and, you know, have I like, like, you know, torn ligaments in my knee and stuff like that. So from my standpoint, I was like really, really worried. I went and got, um, uh, MRI. They, they couldn't tell what was wrong and, you know, and, um, uh, I mean, I think in that playoff, I came back and I played. I missed a couple of games when I came back, but I still wasn't hundred percent, and end up playing mm. in the playoff finals on a, on a bad wheel, really. You know, so. Uh, but but I said, you know, like 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 much of that's happened in happened in my life, I wouldn't change it for a thing because it was it was an absolutely amazing experience to be out there. with, we have, uh, you know, obviously my teammates Bab and Andrew Bridge, and then uh, you know guys that I grew up playing with like Mike Martin and uh, uh, Jermaine Forbes and so on, uh, and, then, and then guys I looked up to like uh, Steve Butnor and um, John Amici were on that team as well. So you know, I, for me, I had like the best, of, the best of all worlds.
0: How how was the actual national team program? But I mean, were you funded well? Like, what was the sort of behind the scenes stuff like? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess because uh, obviously they uh, some of
1: the, some of the guys who weren't playing in England or who maybe even had the opportunity to leave, um, there was funding put towards them staying. Um, I know that like, I was one of the players and you know, I know that like, they tried to get Mike Bernard back, but um, and they were going to they were going to uh, give him some money to to, to come back. Um, so you know, was it you know? Was it funny well yeah I mean it wasn't fun it wasn't bad yeah. you know uh, we went i mean we went out the, the summer before we went to Portugal and uh we stayed in some nice places and stuff like that we did we, we went um, over christmas we went to Serbia and played in like uh a couple of games over there, so it wasn't bad it wasn't bad at all
0: and so two thousand six is when g b first started coming about right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you
0: remember when you first kind of heard that like there's going to be a sort of GB GB program rebuilt and stuff, yeah. and what your reaction was? Um,
1: it was probably just after just after Commonwealth Games because I got my I got you know obviously we knew that we had the Olympics by then or what have you but there was really wasn't any talk about basketball and uh, uh, then I got the information through letters and. And stuff, and like I signed them and sent them straight back. I thought was <laughs> I think I might have been the first person to do it. You know, it's something that like I've always took like great pride in representing my country. And you know, whenever whenever there's been an opportunity to do so, I've I, you know I, I have done so. I mean, I think um, looking back at it and now you're talking, you know, I am like this. This would be, this summer would potentially be my ninth summer. Um, for GB and I've probably done two summers before that for, in, for England so you know um, my summers have basically revolved around a national team for the past for, for about 10 years 11 years so
0: when you when you look back at that first year of the GB program and you compare it to maybe at its height in 2012 um, or last year like what what are the what are the biggest uh, differences comparisons between the two
1: um, you know obviously the the obvious one is money um you know sure you know obviously that's something that I don't think that you can you're ever gonna be able to get away from, but I mean you know on uh the budget that they were on in two thousand and six you know they they did the best that they they could with, with it, and it wasn't like. You know it wasn't like bad It wasn't like staying in swallow and stuff like that I mean like obviously you know you, you probably had like a few more early morning flights because you want to try and save a save a few pounds here and there but it, i mean it wasn't it wasn't bad i mean i think uh you know and uh, and 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 if, whether people agree with this or not but like when you when you're asking uh especially players who aren't making a lot of money to commit. Like you know, six weeks or two months of their summer to to something, uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't think it's unfair that 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 we as players get something out of it, like financially, and you know, someone someone uh, there will be someone out there who says, well, you should play for the you know the privilege of playing in your country. Yeah, I've done that for ten years or whatever, but I've got a family to think about. So if if, if the choice that i been doing for nothing or going to you know, work, work, uh, camp or something, can I can get like a couple of grand to feed my kids, it's a no brainer, you know? Um, like, we got you know, one thing that we have to always keep in mind is possible is possible. life is life. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, even then, like, they, you know, you, you knew that you were going to walk away with a few quid at the end of the summer. Um, I think that, and that, like, again, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. Uh, I'm sure you would get arguments from both sides, but. When there's a if you're if you're a player who's playing in because by and large everybody on the team pretty much everybody maybe Nate Chris Haslam Roger Huggins everybody else played in uh, in England Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've already discussed like the the, you know in terms of wages they're not massive so if you're going to get like a a, you know two three grand of. to spend your life, uh, playing basketball, it makes your decisions a little bit easier, opposed to like, if someone said, oh yeah, you can make like a, uh, a few grand doing, some, do, uh, doing something else, or whether it be a cultural basketball camp, or whatever it may be, or make like 200 or 300 quid, for six weeks of your life, you know, it, be, it becomes, it becomes a little bit more challenging there, especially when you're, when you've got a family.
0: Mm. So. And that, I mean, those early years, uh, did you know that it would end up becoming as big as it, as it was, is? No, um, you know, you kind of had the feeling, but when you look at, you know, I mean, let's be honest,
1: like, you know, the first team that we had was, you know, in comparison, it's absolute night and day to the teams that, we, that we, we put out now. Uh, so you just never know. Um, but with, that, with the team that we did put out, we did, we did well. You know, you consider we, we could have actually topped topped the group if it wasn't for like just some near miss against uh, Belarus in the, the game, the, the last game of the campaign up in um, up in uh, Sheffield. Uh, with that being said, obviously you got to throw in the the fact that Nate Rankin hit like a couple of clutch threes against uh, Albania to send it to overtime and lost winning win uh, it. But you know, you, you just never know. You think to yourself, like you know, the support that we got that summer was was great. You know, for for the fact that it wasn't wasn't nearly uh, promoted the way it is now. Uh, the support that we got was, was second to none at the time, and uh, I mean, I'm just happy that we were able to move on and my like, uh, and and bring in like you know more quality guys, and you know, and I, and I always say that. The more quality that we have out there, the more, uh, it, it's better for the country because you want people to be competing spots. You want it to be a thing where if a guy says, oh, I'm not coming just because, uh, to campus this summer, just because there's a chance that you might be invited back because we've got someone who can replace you or someone who can come out and do a job or, or it gives like, you know, like, would I like, or like, like Joel and, uh, and, and, uh, Mullins and, gordon and and whoever it may be all those guys show up this summer yes of course because it makes our team stronger but the argument is there to say well if all these guys show up last year would we have got to see the best of miles Hesson, who is the future of our national team you know we have gotten to see the best of uh devon ministrum who is the future of our national team Mm -hmm. so you know there has to be a little bit of common sense with it as well um but but at the same time, we do still have to strive to put the best product, possible product on the court every summer.
0: Was uh, was London 2012 always at the back of your mind from from sort of 2006 seven when we when we first won that bid?
1: Um,
0: yeah, I mean you know
1: obviously growing up growing up in London, uh, you know, and the thing is like the Olympics in Stratford. is like you know, ten minutes away from where I went to school. Uh, ten minutes. You know, I I, I lived in Stoke Newton in, in Hackney until I was uh, until I was seven or eight. So it essentially it was me having the Olympics at home. You know, so when uh, when uh, we we knew that we were gonna get it, or whatever, I always make sure I send my stuff in straight away because I was like, hey, you know what? If someone if someone's better than me and I lose my spot to someone better, being better than me, then there's nothing I can do about it. But I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna miss out on that possibility of representing my country Olympics over over like uh, admin, uh, you know, uh, like someone making a mistake because or or me not sending the forms in by, in time. So I always send my stuff out as soon as I get it, you know. Uh, so yeah, but 2006 when you know, because the thing is, before that, I never even. Like I never dreamt about playing for the Olympics, you know I mean? It was it was always, you know, you see the Olympics and you look at the basketball and you're like, ah, that's, that's really cool. But I never thought, I never dreamt about it because we never had that opportunity. There was never ever any, ever any talk about uh, having a basketball team for us in the Olympics. But as soon as there was even a slightest possibility, a slightest chance, I wanted to be a part of that.
0: So now it's all said and done, you know, the Olympics, how do you look back on that? What are your memories of it? What are the big things that stick out? And so what are the highlights and the lowlights?
1: I mean, um, you know, definitely, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the, the best thing that I've done was from, from, from a sporting standpoint, you know, I'll make sure I'll be clear. From a sporting standpoint, nothing else comes close. Uh, you know, to be able to, to represent my country at the Olympics, to... Uh, to being a captain of a team that compete at the Olympics uh, to be an Olympian you know these are all things that probably may may never may never happen for me again um, and to be able to do it in my own backyard with like my, my friends and my family there coming to support me uh, be able to go out and have something to eat after the game with them uh, you know in Stratford or what have you and uh, to to even down to like having like you know like uh, day between uh, day day between the games where I you know there was one day I went my uncle to watch the new Batman those all those things were like were massive because I because even if it, even if you were at the Olympics if it was somewhere else somewhere else you want to be able to do those things so those all those little things make it that much more special um, you know obviously the lowlights were the close losses against you know uh, 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 Spain and and um, and Brazil and then, you know, obviously the you know, actually falling apart against against Australia. Um uh, you know, like people ask me about that game sometimes and I just I can't I can't even explain it. And it's like nothing it's like nothing that I've ever been a part of. Um, you know I mean, you know, you sit down and you run you you run the game over in your head and you have your own personal theories behind it all but you know, just uh it was just it, it was just one of those situations where you kind of like you almost feel like you're not even a part of it. You kind of like you're you're it feels like you're actually watching it happen to someone else. You know, you're just like why do, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And, it just, and you find, and you realize that it's this is this is us. This happened to us. You know, kind of thing. So that was probably the biggest uh, disappointment because that because we knew that how important that game was. and uh, and, and obviously that like really really affected the group for a little bit.
0: So And getting that win over China. You know
1: how... Yeah. Uh, you know, it was good. I think one of and this is uh this is this is no slate at anyone, uh but to go out and play so well against a against a good China team and and to do it and not have to rely on Noel so much in that final game. I guess, I guess they probably figured that it was the final game. We you know, we weren't going to go through, so they kind of like uh, played them a little bit less. Um, and to still perform at such a high level, I think it showed a, a lot of people within our team that they that that they that there's still a lot of talent here. You know, obviously, you know, we're not we're not trying to compare. Um, anyone to lose we're not diminishing what he does for the team um, but I, but it showed that there are guys who have the ability to step up and play well I remember I like, particularly remember like, Kieran playing extremely well in that game and I think he had like 16 points something like that he shot the ball uh, you know really really good and I remember it because a lot of them came up with my assists <laughs> 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 so uh, but you know, I think, I think that was the kind of game that actually, you know, you, you look back at it, you know, and you look at some of Kieran's performances since then, you, you can actually probably, like, look at it and say that has probably had a massive, massive positive effect on his performances for the national team, because he always was, you know, he always never knew what he was, what he was supposed to do or whatever, and it was like, dude, you're a shooter, shoot the ball, that's what you're supposed to do, I play defense. That's it. That's, you know, you do that, you'd be okay. So,
0: what have been uh, some of your frustrations with the GB program over the years, if any? Uh,
1: lack of communication from the people, uh, from the people above. Uh, uh, lack of communication from the head coach. Uh, not so much, not so much coach planning I think um, I actually have like a, a personal, like outside of a basketball relationship I have a well, that's like a really good uh, personal relationship with Coach Bunny, but uh, previous regimes, still wasn't so forthcoming with regards to um, communication. I think that was massively frustrating from everybody, and it was something that, as players, we, we have brought up on a number of occasions. Um, that you know, we don't, we're not expecting anyone to say, Oh, you fancy going to go lunch, but like, you know, just, just, you know, just down to the simple thing, it was like, Well, you know, if you want to play more, you got to do this. You know, it's just that's just like basketball one-on-one stuff. Um, that was, you know, from my standpoint, I was massively frustrated, especially like the the year when um, the Olympic year actually when lot, you know early in the summer I wasn't playing at all, uh, and I continued to practice the same way I had been practicing for the past six years or whatever, what have you, and there was no uh, there was no change, and it kind of leaves you, it it leaves you in a situation where you're like, well, hold on here, you know, am I even going to make the team here? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not playing, there's been no communication or what have you and then, I've been mean, a bit of a kick in the teeth was, was that I was told that I had the bad attitude about it. It was like, well, anyone would have a bad, not that I, not that I did have a bad attitude, I don't believe I did, but anyone would have a bad attitude if, if they've been a part of the program for six years, they've given up a lot to be here or be a part of it They've been committed. They've played hard. They practice hard, or whatever, and not to have been communicated why they're not why they're not getting an opportunity. I, I thought to myself. My 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 attitude was absolutely stellar mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to what it could have been. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that was what, I think that would be my only gripe really about a national team is that we just don't do a very good job of communicating. You know, and we are. I think as players, we understand that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors that we were never exposed to, but you know, just to send out like a mass email just to say, Hey, you know, this is so-and-so from uh, from GB just want to send that message to everyone. Merry Christmas. You know, or, (laughs) or, you know, I hope you guys are all well or something like that. You know, I think uh, that's, I think that would be the the least that you would expect. Um, And then obviously when you're talking about logistics stuff, you know, that's you know you expect that to be impeccable in terms of um, uh, translating it to um, to individuals. So
0: now there were rumors, obviously, after two thousand twelve, you'd be retiring from international basketball, and then obviously last year you, you were back again, and this year you're on the squad list again. Uh, you know, are you surprised that you're still you're still playing? Like, are you planning on playing this summer?
1: <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, at this moment in time, I have no reason not to. Uh, uh, you know, I've I've been speaking to Coach Pony through the course of this the season, and I've never said anything that uh, that would lead him to believe that I wasn't gonna, wasn't planning on playing. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure where the whole rumours came about about me retiring after the Olympics. Uh, like, I certainly never said that, and I, I never gave anyone any indication of it. I mean, I, I remember some people from Fast Track were got in contact with me and was like, ah. Oh, you know, could you speak to us before you do? Before you uh, send it anything about you retiring from the national team? And I was like, I was like, hey, you know, you know that you called Drew Sullivan, right? And I was like, yeah. I was like, Are you sure you're not looking for Nate or Rob? Because I actually just thought, I honest to God, I thought that they just called me by accident. Uh, but I never, I never, not once, told anyone that I was retiring after the Olympics. So, so it, it was, uh, it was a massive shock to me as well. <laughs> Uh, but I I mean like I've I've, uh, obviously I've always said that I'll play I'll come out and play for my national team as long as they need me but I hope that it's not much longer (laughs) so uh, but obviously obviously you know as I get as I get older and like season after season I probably have to revise that and actually say you know what I'll play this time and then then, call it quick you know so
0: so jumping back a little bit because we kind of went into national team stuff. Um, so you had so you had your year in Spain, uh, and then you went to Belgium with Chris Finch. Yeah. Um, how how was that? And you know, did do you think that helped with national team stuff as well?
1: Um, I, I mean, I don't know if it. Uh, I don't know if it helped or hurt. I think it probably helped me get a better understanding of um, of. His offensive, like, philosophies of and stuff like that. Um, I think it probably helped me become a lot more settled, a lot more comfortable within, within the offense, because I, I guess, been like, you know, 10 months of running it with the team and, like, obviously, you know, with, with Nate and so on, um, and Mike Lensley, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that it helped that way, um, uh, you know, but outside of that, I don't think it had any, any any bearing on the national team. I don't think it had any bearing on whether I got selected or not. Chris, uh, if you don't know Chris, uh, he's not someone who's who does things on sentiment. So, yeah. you know, if you can't do a job for, for him, then then you're not going to make the team. It's so quite quite that simple. So, so you know, I don't think that it had any bearing on the, my me being selected or anything like that.
0: Did you last there the whole season? Because you had a little stint in Newcastle Eagles at the end of that season, right?
1: No, no, I was oh. there for the whole season. Yeah, I was there the last season. And
0: then, and then there was Russia the year after.
1: Yeah, Russia um, was the year after, um, and I I played. No, well, Russia. I stayed. I I played a little bit beginning of uh, the season with Newcastle. Well, actually, I didn't. I I was, tra- I was practicing with them, and I was on on the way to. Milton Keynes. I got a phone call from my agent saying that I've got an offer in Russia. I went. I had a chat with had a chat with Fab, and I said to him, "Listen, I've got this. I've got this offer on the table. on you know, you know, I'm really am sorry to do this to you, but would you mind if I didn't play? Because I was like, I just can't run the risk of getting hurt." or whatever. And he understood. Um, and then uh, my year, at the end of my year in Cyprus, I played like the final couple months uh, for Newcastle because. Uh, I, 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 well, basically, the team wasn't going to allow me to come back. For the birth of my daughter, uh, my second, my second child, and then they were like, "Well, if you leave, then you're going to co- then your contract comes to me. And I was like, "Okay, can you get me a flight home?" So that was pretty wow. much it.
0: How did how did having kids change change your maybe? Well, did it change at all your outlook on basketball, your career at all? It's it's actually
1: it's, it's funny because. Uh, before I had the kids, I was really always anxious about finding out where I want to play. I, I, I need to find a job. I need to find a job. And then after, I, after having kids, which you think would have ramped it up even more, yeah. it settled down. You know, I think it got to the point. I think it kind of showed me that there's more important things than, like, chasing a contract or, you know, old basketball. You know, um, you know, like, uh, again, you know, just to talk, uh, just to touch back on the point I made earlier, a people people uh, have this preconception of what what who I am because of what it's for my like, absolutely probably the opposite when I'm at home with my kids uh, you know playing with them and you know going out and you know uh <laughs> you know uh, dressing up in the pink panther suit for them and stuff like that like there's like stuff that people will really be like. If you if if you really did just purely take me as a as what you see on the basketball court, you'd think that my kids probably would have, would have their absolute worst life. You know what I mean? Uh, but I know how to separate what I do what I do on the basketball court and what I do at home, and 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 I think my kids kids have helped me with that as well. Like a lot of times where. I um, may, may have not played well, or we lost a game, and uh, I mean, I, m- I remember last year, not, not, not last season, uh, a couple of seasons ago, when we lost a trophy against Sheffield, and I was, I was really devastated about it, because I just didn't think that mentally our team as a group were ready, and it really frustrated me, it pissed me off, or whatever, and gone to shower, on ele- in the elevator on the way out to see the- my family or whatever and I get off the elevator and my two girls are there my like, daddy, daddy and then it's all done basketball was irrelevant you know um, and I think that's probably you know again that's, has, it, they've had a massive uh, have a, a massive say on the fact that I am able to go out and play for the national team for so long you know and not think about retiring there's the, they're the reason why I can go out and play the way I do um, you know, week week in week out, uh, play for my club because because they they allow me to switch off. You know, I have something that's more important than basketball. Whereas there's a lot of people around this, around the league, whether they like to admit it or not, like they basketball is the most important thing. You know, I think I think that only, I've only really cried after uh, after a a loss once and that was last summer when we lost uh, against Ukraine because I actually started thinking about retiring from the national team and that was the only time that I cried uh, and, I, and 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 people might people might think that's because I don't care but like I can't why am I going to cry over why am I going to cry over a basketball game when I've got such a great family at home mm. you know what I mean like, for me, for me, having my family, having my family put things into a major, major perspective. Uh, and, you know, if someone came, came like, this summer, like, prefer- like normally, yeah. I mean, before, before my kids, it was like, oh, I'll take two weeks off and I'll get back into it. And within a couple of days, I'll back down the court. I just had the itch, I just needed to, you know, uh, and since I have my kids, I've taken more, a little bit more, more time off i go back, I'll start working out more, start working out more, i start working because I, I can appreciate it, every day that I work out, or every, every minute, every moment, every second, is the time that I could be with my, with my family, and, and, if I, if I've got to make a decision out of sacrificing, uh, being in tip-top shape, for basketball, uh, or, in that extra 10-15 minutes with my kids, easy choice for me. Hey, I I'll, I'll get in shape as in pre season. So
0: amazing. So after Cyprus, and then you've been uh, you've been in England ever since. You know, I want to talk a little about you know the BBO. It's quite funny when I ask people. Um, you know have you got any questions for drew like it amazes me that everyone always just wants to ask about get your opinion on the state of basketball in this country rather than actually talking about you which i just find a bit weird mm. because i'm just like well there's <laughs> there's a lot more interesting things to talk about um but you know yeah. one of the questions is that you know you've, you've been in the bbl you've seen it uh all the way through the years even when, when you know obviously when you were younger and you weren't necessarily maybe when you weren't playing in it but you did see it uh, at, at a certain level and you've seen where it's come yeah. from and, and where it is now kind of like what do you think about the current state of the BBL and how it's how it's been over the years um, what would be your assessment of things um, I think that
1: the BBL now is about as close as it has been to when it was when I was playing for London Towers not in the sense of like wages being paid but in terms of people making the effort to try and uh uh, publicized the game you know I think there was, a, there was there was there was an in-between time uh, when I was here and there, there, there wasn't a lot of, it didn't seem like there was a lot of people working like tirelessly to try and promote the, the sport you know uh, it was like oh, okay we've got we've got the bigger the Cup final yeah you know whatever you know everyone, everyone knew the date but you know it wasn't uh, really publicized or what have you but now I think that is is massively publicized. I mean, the fact that, and uh, you don't need any more proof to, to see that, you know, they're sending out tickets like 12 months in advance. You know what I mean? That was never happened. It was like, well, we'll wait. People, people buying tickets not even knowing who could be in the final. You know, it was always like, oh, we'll wait till we see if our team got to the final and then, We'll buy tickets or what have you, and then like a lot of times the, the the league has to maybe give away a lot of tickets to like local schools just to try and get like a half decent uh, number in. Now uh, it's a lot more, you know, where where they or they they're, they're publicising it and they and, and they are selling tickets well in advance. So I think that's the only good for the sport because now people are like, oh. You know, I I can't even run the risk of me not being able to have a ticket to support my team. You know, Uh, especially if your if if your team has been like a top four team for the past few years, and at least it gives you that that you know that chance of maybe your team will make it. Um, So, I think the promotional side of uh, basketball has been has been uh, really good.
0: What about on the court? Like, what about the level of competition and stuff? What would you say about that?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously that that can go off... And down, um, like from year to year, I think uh, you know. Outside of like teams, uh, leagues like Russia and uh, uh, Spain and it- Italy and, uh, um, and Greece, uh, all the other leagues tend to go up and down in terms of time because those, those the, the four aforementioned uh, leagues they tend to give out multi-year contracts. So you know that who you know that who the coach is going to be. You know what the team's going to be for like about two, three years. You might add a few players, you know, here or there, but you essentially know what the team is going to be for a couple of years. And obviously, with in the BBL, everything's like you know, or at least you know, for the most part, it's just one-year contracts. So there's a lot of a lot of movement through the league. So you so. You know, you can never you can never gauge what it's, what the league's going to be like from one year to the next. Like you know, from from some, maybe some of the signings that have been made this year, you can see that there's, the league could potentially be be stronger uh, because uh, more some of the, some really good players going to uh, some other other teams. So hopefully, you know, whereas this year it was really only like four four deep, but we were poor, real real strong team. Like you know, hopefully. You are talking about maybe six six strong teams from last year and like you know, hopefully Bristol and Leeds who have a foundation and done well in, in a uh EBL one yeah, uh EBL one will come in and understand what they need to compete at this level and you know, hopefully you know, you got talking like, you know, eight, ten, twelve twelve strong teams. So, you know, you just like it's just unfortunately you just never know because it's not there's multi-year contracts aren't the normal over
0: here. Mm. What are your, you know, you're obviously quite an outspoken person. I see you on Twitter with various suggestions for the league and everything else. Like, um, you know, what, what are your personal frustrations with the league? What do you think that it needs to do better to do better?
1: We um, I mean, said it earlier on, like, you know, take a punt on some of these young guys who are coming out of university who are pretty good. Like, you know, all our young guys are coming out of university and they, they're signing for contracts abroad and, Sometimes they're not—they're not making a hell of a lot more money than what they are, what what they would have made here. But it's just that the difference is that someone thought it would be worthwhile asking the question. Uh, you know, I think that I think that in my in my opinion, I think that there needs to be more more British players who are who are put forward. And you know, someone might say, "Oh, uh, well, you just asked for yourself to be put forward." And I was like, "I don't need I don't need to be put forward anymore." I do like. I do I do enough work uh, outside of basketball uh, that I can I'm able to self promote uh, self promote myself. I don't need the the need to do that for me. But someone like someone like Jamel might need uh, it. You know, uh, you know, someone like Darius who's had a phenomenal career in the BBO and like you know you've never seen any posters. You see you see this, uh, you know, and it's no disrespect, but. Darius has been the most consistent person on that team. Yeah, whether people want me or not. If, they, if you take Darius out of, that, out of that Newcastle team, they struggle massively. And you never you never see him on a BBL poster for a final. Why is that? You know what I mean? Like, uh, but you see, you see, I don't even know a Cook. You know, on a, on a, on 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 a flight. He's been there for he's been there for not even a, twelve months he's on a flight he's on a, a flight. Mm. You know, uh, you know, but Darius who's done it consistently over what's it ten years? Mm. Yeah you know, at least eight of them, at least eight of them 'em he's been consistent. You know, you can't you can't make it on a flight. That's, that's that's been that's something that needs to be addressed, you know. Mm. Um there's the fact that, you know, you go on to you know, there was a it was a while back you gone on the BBL website and they still had A1 Hardy on there and the league he you, you only moved on for like a year uh, 12 to 18 months it was like those little things have a massive impact on letting people know what's going on in the league because you're like oh you see A1 Hardy on, a, on, a, on the BBL website and I, again you know experience has been changed uh, but if you're not if you're not someone who knows the sport and you go and you put in like on YouTube you see him and you say oh right, Leicester Riders Aaron Harley okay uh, you know and you he see his website you see his um, highlights on YouTube and you say okay I'm gonna go watch the game and then he's not there like well, what's going on here do you know what I mean so let's try and let's if nothing kills, let's be you honest, know, let's try and be like up up to date with like you know who you guys have on your website will probably be a really good start. Um... You know, um, I think you know. Trying to get you know, put maybe like a, I said, and I said this on Twitter, like have like a mandatory you know uh, amount of like under under twenties or whatever on 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 the roster. And does it mean that they're going to play? No, but at least they can be a part of it. At least they at least they can see. Okay, this is what it means to be a professional basketball mm-hmm. player, and so on and so. It gets them ready, opposed to. You know, opposed to um, you know, they they they're spending time on the weekends, maybe doing nothing. Uh, you know, uh, so that that would be some a couple of things that I'd look at. Like, can they can they happen? I don't know. Uh, I mean, one you know, one of the things I said that is maybe like trying to have it where you have like free British players have to go on call, right? Mm. You
0: know,
1: and does it hurt? Does it hurt the majority of the league? No, it doesn't. But it puts everyone stand that you know what some some people will say. Well, they're just going to get out, go out and get three good British players. Well, that would be really foolhardy because the way things are, people get injured. Uh, you know, people can get in foul trouble or whatever. So it forces them to go maybe go out and get five good British players if they if are a team that's in the top, in ech- the higher, the, the, the top echelon mm. and mean for competing for trophies and you know. So I mean, those are those are things that. Like I would, I would, I would suggest to be looked at. But
0: so I'm aware we're getting on for time a little bit here. So just to kind of, what's in the future for you? Um, Obviously, uh, a lot of question marks about next season. Um, But not only just next season. What about you know how many years do you think you want to play for before you do end up uh, sort of hanging them up? Um, And and what do you want to do after basketball as well? Um.
1: I'm not sure how long, how much longer I'm going to play for. Um, you know, I, I still feel fit and healthy, and um, I just I have always promised myself that I'm not going to be the guy on the end of the bench like stealing checks. You know, if I if I if I'm going to play, I want to be there, uh, be able to help play. If if it's a thing where if a thing where someone wants me around for. My experience or whatever, then make me an assistant coach or a head coach or something like that. I'm not going to be a player that sat there cause, because, as far as I'm concerned, that would be like absolute torture. If I got a kit on and I'm not playing, that would be that would be like from a, from a sporting standpoint, that would be the definition of torture for me. So yeah. I won't see that ever happening. Um, so I'll play until 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 I can't play the way I play. Um, and that could be that could be at the end of this year. That could be in like two, three, four, five years' time. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, what I would some of the things that I would like to do. Obviously, you know, I, you, know you, you know how much I've I've, I've put into a uh, DSA stuff. And, unfortunately won't be wanting it this summer because of uh, national team commitments and. Um, and and I do martial arts, uh, and, and that really that I, I really enjoy doing, and uh, I wouldn't mind uh, when I'm done playing, spend more time doing it and and teaching, uh, teaching martial arts as well as, as well as teaching basketball. So, so you know, uh, I'm not a one trick pony, thank God.
0: <laughs> um, and next season, where, where are you going to end up next season?
1: Uh, there's still talks going on with. Uh, Various teams, and, um, and I'm not rushing into a decision um, at the moment. I'm just, you know, obviously, there's like a lot of things that need to be be, be discussed and covered, and and so on. And, and you know, I, I, you know, like one, it's one of those things where you look you're always going to upset someone uh, and you're always going to make someone, someone uh, very happy. So uh, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, and so I'm not rushing into making any, any decisions that I think I will regret. So wherever, wherever I do end up, it will be the right decision for myself and my family
0: perfect well thank you so much it's been uh fascinating and i think a lot of other people will say the same thing so i uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, and hopefully uh, we can catch up again in the next in the next year or so all
1: right thank you very much for having me i uh, really enjoyed this